I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Well, here we go. Time for a show. Welcome to Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection podcast that looks at the things that we loved when we were younger and asks the question, is this good? I'm David Luzader, and with me, as always, is the always great Nick Shermooksness. Nick, hello. Hey, David. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? I am feeling pretty bruised because of getting hit a lot. What? What? what for getting hit who's hitting you the podcast it's called hit me one more time oh well that's right i did hire a person to come every time an episode is released and they hit you and they always tell you this is the last time it's just gonna be one more time but i'm surprised you haven't figured out that's a lie yet yeah well and also because like it would technically stop if we stopped releasing the show but yet i keep showing up Yes, and I'm so. I'm glad that you do. And in fact, this one is extra special in that regard. Normally, this is the part of the episode where I would introduce our guest. But uh, in doing this show, Nick and I realized, hey, it's really great discussing all these things that people love and digging into stuff, especially some of the new stuff this podcast has introduced us to. But there's also a little bit of like, we have some stuff we want to talk about. So, uh, so every 10th episode is going to be just Nick and myself. And one of us will be bringing, uh, bringing the thing that we will be discussing, yeah, sort of like we did in the first episode where I, we talked about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers based on me. Uh, this time around, Nick has brought us our subject, which is Sinestro Corps War, which is a, a comic book. Now, for people who, when I say that, it's a Green Lantern comic. When I say that, some people are probably gonna they're gonna turn off immediately. They're gonna be like, "That g- good for you." Bye. <laughs> Uh, I want to say for those people to stick it out, to check this out. If if you are at all familiar with superheroes, with Green Lantern, I think this is actually going to be a really interesting discussion because this book is very important to that character's history, especially its modern uh, mythos. And I think it's going to be a really, really fun time. Uh, so let's go ahead. I'm not going to talk anymore trying to convince you. Either you're still listening or you're not. If you're still here... And here's what Sinestro Core War is about. And if uh, if you are disappointed in the lack of a guest, just um, hold on. Uh, I'm just going to I'll put on a fake mustache and a bowler hat and uh, just pretend that I'm Nox or Mox Nos, um, guest of some other podcast. Yes, that, that maybe is good. That's right. This completely auditory medium. <laughs> just imagine however you imagine Nick. Put a mustache and a bowler hat on that. Hey, when I listen to podcasts, I just close my eyes and drift into the podcast first and just imagine all the crazy stuff that must happen on the other side of the mic. Anyway, David, anyway, Green Lantern. Sinestro Corps War. Following the events of Green Lantern Rebirth, Sinestro Corps War tells the story of a new villainous force rising up to oppose the Green Lantern Corps, an interstellar law enforcement agency. After being stripped of his power and banished, Former Green Lantern Sinestro creates his own ring powered by fear instead of willpower. He also creates the Sinestro Corps, which begins to hunt down and kill Green Lanterns. Meanwhile, Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner, and Jon Stewart fight to free Kyle Rayner from Parallax, a cosmic entity of fear. 
The conflict begins to threaten the multiverse when Sinestro and his core set their sights on Earth. Oh. Yes. Lots of lots of stuff happening in this book. We're going to dig into it in a bit. But first, Nick, why did you pick this one? You know, this is the part where we dig into our own personal histories with the subject. What made you want this to be something that we talked about here? Well, so besides trying to sabotage the podcast at any time, any chance I, I get, um, I just I just remember really, really enjoying Sinestro Core War. Um, personal history. Let's see. My I would argue that my personal history with Green Lantern really began with Jeff Johns, the the writer of of Sinestro Core War, one of the writers of Sinestro Core with his with Green Lantern Rebirth. Uh, that's when it like really you know got in my got in my view i will say that i was aware of green lantern at least i mean there was the justice league cartoon um where with john stewart in it um which i really enjoyed um but i also remember having one random green lantern comic which i believe and the more comic savvy audience uh, members uh, please correct me if I'm wrong i think it was the final issue of like the the reign of superman event um mm the which had followed the death of superman where superman died blah 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 not oh, so much spoilers uh, <laughs> spoilers um and that event had had ended with the destruction of coast city um and that's something that maybe we can discuss for long because the destruction of coast city is is pretty relevant to a lot of the plot lines that led up to sinestro core war um but either way so i i do have that early memory um but just Greenland, let's just face it, Green Lantern as a concept is not, not as a, the concept is cool, but the, the fact that it's called Green Lantern is like they kind of came up with this name and then took this other thing that maybe wouldn't really work and then kind of put them together. Um, so I think uh, if you you have to be into it to just appreciate it. Like if you have, if you're reading the book and you're thinking, oh, a fear monster, it's like, yeah, that sounds kind of hokey. Um, but somehow it just works. Um, so basically, uh, I, I guess I'd say that I really haven't kept up with Green Lantern since Jeff John's run ended, but that whole period from Green Lantern rebirth uh, to the end of Jeff John's run and also uh, call out to Peter Tomasi uh, and Patrick Gleason on uh, Green Lantern Corps um, during that same period, uh, both books just, just really kept me engaged and uh, I've, I've enjoyed Green Lantern mythology ever since. Yeah, Green Lantern is one of those ones where its original iteration in the Golden Age is much different than its Silver Age and Onward iteration. There's a whole Alan Scott where he actually had a literal Green Lantern. So when someone revived the concept, they're like, well, you know, we're going to keep the name. So we have to somehow make that make sense. Right. And that's, I mean, and the, the, the Hal Jordan at, at all, you know, version, you know, they also have, they have the whole central power barrier. They've got, they all have their own individual lanterns. Um, so like the, the motif is still there. Um, but also just the idea that that's what like intergalactic space cops would sort of be wrapped around is uh, maybe a little silly. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, it's comics. It's, you know, a little silly, I think comes with the territory for, to be fair. To be fair. For myself, um, I have always, well, I shouldn't say I've always, where do I start with this? Um, I should say I'm born when I was born. Uh, so I got into comics probably around the time, like really got into comics. I had always been in superheroes and I'd loved like the Batman animated series and I'd really liked cartoons and, and like the movies and stuff. 
but I had never really read a lot of comics myself uh, until probably around this era. The the first comic I really got into was uh, a Batman comic, Shocker. It was supposed to be the the death of of Rachel Ghoul. Uh, spoiler alert: It was not the death of Rachel Ghoul. But I it took me a while to ever really read a Green Lantern book. He was a character I would see in like in the Justice League stuff that I would read. Uh, and I didn't really read any of his stuff, or I shouldn't say his stuff, because there's several Green Lanterns. I didn't read a lot of Green Lantern stuff really until Blackest Night, which is something we're going to talk about a bit uh, in this episode. Um, and I haven't really read a lot of Green Lantern since then either. So for me, it was very like very much in this limited time because because uh, the Blackest Night was this huge event. And then I recently, uh, recently being today, actually, when we record this episode, I did dig into uh, The Green Lantern, which is a book from a couple years ago, which is written by Grant Morrison that I'd always wanted to read because I, I'm a big Grant Morrison fan. And uh, because reading this, I I got interested in like in trying to dig into a little bit more. But uh, I, I mean, I don't want to... Okay, I'm, I'm getting too much into the discussion right now. But I, I will say like the reason that I kind of haven't been is like, I get that fatigue that we all kind of get with uh, with Marvel movies after a bit too, right? Which is like, oh, oh, the world's in danger again. Oh no, I wonder if, ah, okay, they saved it. Like Green Lantern really kind of got into, especially after this, really got into like, mm, here's a new force threatening the, the multiverse. I wonder if, um, okay, yeah, cool, they stopped it. This, though, I, I, I think kind of maybe <laughs> set, set the scale for that. So it being the first kind of in the way that like Iron Man is still exciting, this is probably still exciting in its own right. I'm rambling all about. Uh, so I'm going to shut up for a minute <laughs> and ask Nick, could you tell us a little bit, how did Sinestro Corps War come to be? What's the history about it? Uh, well, uh, in uh, so back around 2004, Green Lantern sales were dipping, uh, but interest in the character of Hal Jordan was returning. So DC decided to resurrect the long dead hero uh, and I'm just going to insert a little bit into that. So let's just say that, so Hal Jordan went crazy in the 90s because of the destruction of Coast City at the end of Reign of Superman. Um, and at the time, it was just sort of like a slow burn. I don't actually know how long it took, but basically he got white hairs. That's the sign. Uh, mm -hmm. Went, got a little cuckoo, destroyed like basically the Green Lantern uh, core itself. Uh, and then started calling himself Parallax, and then something, something. I think he, the sun was gonna go out, and he like, uh, uh, like reignited it, but died. And then he got possessed by uh, a, a spirit ghost thing called the Specter, who's like the vengeance. It, yeah, it's a whole. Anyway, so he was a ghost. Um, and then, so so it, he was kind of you know when you're dead and also a ghost, that's a really hard place to come back from. Um, and anyway. Jeff Johns did. Uh, and bringing back Hal Jordan, Johns also brought back elements of the Green Lantern mythos, including the Guardians of the Universe, Kilowog, uh, and Sinestro. Uh, after the success of Green Lantern Rebirth, Johns teamed up with Dave Gibbons to set out to work on the next big chapter of his Green Lantern story, based on ideas from Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill's short story, Tigers, Tiger with, Tigers with a Y, published in Tales of the Green Lantern Corps Annual Number no. 2 in 1986. Uh, creation of the Sinestro Corps War was very fluid with the length and format of the story changing several times. Running from June to December of 2007, the 11-issue series crossed over 
the Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps books and was written by Dave Givens and Jeff Johns with art by Ivan Reese, Patrick Gleason, and Ethan Van Siever. Uh, and just plugging in there again, uh, Peter Tomasi took over in like the last issue of the Green Lantern Corps book during this event. Um, and the storyline was a huge financial and critical success and made Green Lantern DC's best-selling title at the time. It also laid the groundwork for the 2009 DC-Y crossover event, Blackest Night. Can you imagine that? The Green Lantern usurps Batman for like a week. Yeah. It's got to be something. I mean, this this was a huge event at the time of it coming out. It was a, a very big success. Obviously, like probably the success of this led a little bit to the movie that we don't really need to spend a lot of time talking about because it's so glorious of course what you know of course and you know some of the ideas presented here also showed up in that movie that obviously that this if there was a sequel to that movie which i mean why isn't there um it probably would be a, a sinestro core war type story that's true yeah it's 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 sort of like it, I, I mean, to be fair, I really can't speak too much to Green Lantern comics that came before Jeff Johns' run. I don't want to say things like, you know, they weren't as mature as Jeff Johns was or anything like that, because I really don't know. I think I think a lot of really cool things and really a lot of cool elements happened uh, prior to Johns' run. And I what I felt while rereading Sinestro Core War was just seeing all of these disparate elements and some, some new ideas, some old ideas that Jeff Johns and, and company just sort of sort of bring together into this cohesive uh mythology basically so like i was saying before um you know hal jordan died or not sorry hal jordan went crazy and started calling himself parallax and that was kind of it like the whole thing was just that Hal jordan went crazy because his his home city was destroyed um and you know that happens to the best of us uh, and don't forget hal jordan is the best green lantern because they have to repeat that every other page yeah um <laughs> And then, so, so we're sort of, okay, it's not just like we have to bring Hal Jordan back to life, but how do we be like, um, he's not actually a genocidal murderer? And <laughs> so what Jeff Johns and company came up with was the idea that Parallax wasn't just some random 90s name that Hal Jordan gave himself. Um, it was actually the entity of fear, um, which basically just exploded to this whole concept of the emotional spectrum that actual emotions were incredible, powerful forces that could be harnessed and then redirected in the form of base, apparently energy constructs. Yeah. Um, so, and, and something that, and that, that, that element gets explored leading up to Sinestro core, but then really explodes within the event itself. And that was just, I, I, for, for me, it was sort of the, the veil being ripped off of this concept. Like, here's just a way to really, really explode the mythology. And I would agree, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but, you know, by the time we got to the end of John's run, we went through, like, several events, you know, from Blackest Night on. And there was, for me, there was definitely a fatigue. Like, every other day they had to solve, the, save the multiverse from destruction, it felt like. Yeah. Um, the majority of it was really, really good, and it just kept building and building and building and building it on itself, but it wasn't always going to be sustainable. Um, but just that idea of all of these sort of weird concepts actually kind of creating this tapestry that really cemented the Green Lantern mythology that, and you, that you could take it seriously was actually a really fascinating for the time. Yeah, and it really—so I actually, I just remembered that I did read a little bit of Green Lantern— kind of around the time of Blackest Night because I, I just was suddenly having the flashes in my head of Dex Star, which is the the cat Red Lantern. Red Lanterns are fueled by rage and anger. 
Uh, they always have like blood spewing out of their mouth. That's quite horrifying. And one of them was an earth cat. Uh, this isn't like, yeah, this wasn't like a cat creature. It's a literal earth cat. So uh, I was mem- yeah. <laughs> remembering that pretty well. And uh, I think I read some of the stuff leading up to because, yeah, because the way that this book expanded the mythos of the Green Lanterns is is huge. You know, like Green Lanterns for the longest time, they were like a, a, sp- a space peace force out there. You know, a law enfor- whose laws they were enforcing, I guess, were their own. The Guardians of the Universe. Yeah, which I have so much to say about the ineffectual <laughs> Guardians of the Universe. Uh, they are, oh God, they suck sometimes <laughs> real bad. Uh, I, 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 and I just realized how great it is for me in editing this episode. We're talking about a comic. I don't have to go hunt down clips. So you're welcome, future David. Uh, <laughs> but what was I saying? Oh, the, yeah, the way that this exploded the mythos is is fascinating because it, it was, yeah, he was a character who uh, the Green Lanterns couldn't affect yellow sometimes. That was it, like the green, the the the, oh, yeah. the rings couldn't affect yellow. And you just kind of accepted that. Like, okay, that's, like, their one weakness. That's pretty... Like, the original Green Lantern couldn't affect wood. Alan Scott couldn't affect wood. (laughs) And Hal Jordan and his friends couldn't affect yellow. And then this comes along, and it gives... There's a lot to, I think, kind of uh, hate on Jeff Johns' storytelling. Like, I don't want to hate on Jeff Johns too much. I think there's, there's stuff about him that he repeats and can get a little ridiculous. But... He sometimes answers questions in really interesting and clever ways. Why can't they? Why can't the rings affect yellow? Well, because they are keeping. You know, there's this emotional spectrum that uh, reflects in our world based on color, and the creature Parallax was inside the central power ring that all Green Lanterns pull their power from. And because there's a little bit of that yellow in there, the yellow impurity they called it. That's why they're like weak against yellow. And it's like. You know what? That's actually not a bad explanation. It's ridiculous, but like for someone having to answer like why is this thing the way that it is, I actually like what he came up with. Right. And and I think really like you when you walk into a store called Green Lantern Core, like you have to kind of accept that you don't know what to expect, but at the very least you'd expect that it's going to be ridiculous yeah you know what i mean so yeah like i i agree like you sometimes i was reading when i was reading sinestro core war and they were talking about like uh, why doesn't my ring work on yellow it's like oh you're a rookie we'll figure <laughs> it out you know like so they also changed it where it used to be that all green lanterns um couldn't affect yellow at all and then it was that parallax was still in the central power battery um but that because greenlanders had the ability to overcome great fear uh that they that they were also able to exert their their power on yellow you know what we, we haven't even really for people that aren't initiated into green lantern we've, we've sort of used a lot of these words and haven't really explained i mean we've said that they're a space cop right but what makes a green lantern a green lantern okay so i'll just take it away okay Imagine, yeah sure go go right ahead <laughs> okay I love how so like, we haven't answered this question now allow me and like this is the part where you pull down like the the screen and like your powerpoint starts Right, I get. I just get like a huge, not even a PowerPoint. That sounds too professional. It's just like a conspiracy theory board, you know, where all <laughs> these dots, where fear entity connects to yeah. parallax. What does that word even mean? Ooh, um, parallax. Um, so, okay, millions of years ago, and apparently they didn't really have a lot of problems for millions of years, which I think is odd. But millions of years ago, it's not actually billions. Not important. Um, <laughs> the 
the Guardians Already of the Universe, off track. <laughs> which were some of the original sentient life in the universe, got together and said, hey, we're pretty powerful. We can establish a um, basically a police force, a law enforcement, peacekeeping force, whatever you want to call it, um, that can patrol the whole universe. And despite the fact that to the best of our knowledge, the universe is infinite, these guardians were able to divvy it up into like 7,200, no, 30, 3,600 sectors, I think. Am I getting that right? I think so. I don't so. know, sure. It's something math. Some, 3,600 some sectors. will correct us. Which is just, just the idea that like, okay, and so there's 7,200 Green Lanterns, 3,600 sectors, and just the idea that like two people can sort of patrol these giant swaths of space. I imagine there maybe aren't that many sentient life form plants. Okay, I'm getting off track again. Um, so the Guardians <laughs> created the so Green nice. Lantern Corps, and the whole idea was uh, in order to make the name work, they created a giant lantern on the planet Oa, which, which is the center of the known universe. Um, and maybe it's like slightly off to the left of the known universe. You just never really know. Um, so there's a giant lantern on this planet and it's channeling a crap ton of willpower energy. Um, and so the, so green lanterns also have their own little mini souvenir green lantern. Uh, and they also have a power ring. Not that they're called power ring at all, unless you're the evil green lantern of earth. Okay. Get off track again. Wow. And green lanterns will charge their rings on their their power battery i just remember that's what it's called uh and then they're able to channel their own willpower into creating anything that they can imagine and that's why i think what was which is what ugh, that i was trying to touch on was that their their weapon so to speak was basically this ring that would create these energy constructs that could be anything how jordan liked to use boxing gloves in fighter jets how rayner uh is an artist and would come up with like robot samurai and other weird artistic stuff uh john stewart is a soldier and an architect so he's really good at making sniper rifles and also i guess building green lantern it, houses it's always uh, guns it's with john stewart it's always guns it's always guns uh and then guy gardner is uh, a, a police officer slash i think a football player and he just i think mostly makes actually, actually i think he just mostly makes football players well and sometimes <laughs> he makes pop culture references like in in this he you know he talks about wolverines uh well he talks about uh, the the uh oh what's that that movie red dawn Right like, down, Wolverines yeah. and makes a bunch of Wolverines. It's also important to note uh, that the Green Lanterns cannot kill. That is something that is built yes. into the ring. That lethal force is is entirely uh, unwelcome. Which what? What, what were you going to say about it? You go ahead. No, no, I you go. You go ahead. I well, want you I was, to say. I was going to. I was going to say getting back to this book a bit. That is actually part of. Uh, so Sinestro. Again, like we're we're laying so much groundwork here, so I'm gonna try to go quickly on this. Sinestro was a great Green Lantern, uh, who it was revealed was uh, a dictator on his home home world of how do you even pronounce that? Korugar. Kor- <laughs> I always call it Korugar. Korugar, sure, Korugar. Uh, he, he was a dictator there. That got revealed. He got banished, uh, and he created. You know, he he teamed up with the Anti Monitor, Super uh, Superman Prime, and uh, Hank Hinshaw, aka Cyborg Superman. But for him, the purpose was never like. I mean, yes, he's a villain, but his purpose uh, was never like, okay, now I'm I'm going to destroy the universe because I hate it. 
he says in this book, I think one of the most fascinating things about his philosophy is like, I still believe in what the Green Lanterns are doing. I think they're doing it wrong. Uh, mm. That he created his core, that he was trying to push the Green Lanterns to to do more. And he he gets that a little. Like when in this book, they're allowed to use lethal force against uh, against the Sinestro Corps. And, you know, Sinestro isn't, like, afraid by that. He's not like, oh, no. He's like, that's what I wanted. Like, good. That means that they're starting to realize, like, you can't just lock up the bad guys and hope that everything's going to work out. From his perspective, it's like, yeah, we should have the authority to be judge, jury, and executioner to to handle these threats with lethal force. Right. And I think that's what was the uh, game turn on this event. And this was also an event that came out um, – so in 2007, around there, I think, was when comic book events were really starting to explode. So they weren't that plentifully. I kind of forget where like Civil War. And yeah, Civil I was going to look up when, when I think Civil War happened. Like Marvel really loves comic book crossover events. DC has definitely had their fair so, share. Yeah. Um, but I want to say that like the last big one prior to this was infinite crisis oh, so 06 um, 06 to 07 was uh marvel's civil war was when the comic came out and... okay so they were kind of parallel a bit a little bit because uh, i think civil war was also super delayed at times yeah. um yeah and it was a whole year before um because sinestro core didn't start until like june of 2006 or 2007 so civil war had already finished by that time ah uh, yeah so so I think events were still, I bet you people at the time were already using words like event fatigue. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, they were also still relatively novel in the grand scheme of things. And, and this, um, as an event, only happened over two books. It didn't happen line wide. Right. And I think that's I think that's what sometimes these companies lose focus on. Um, so like the fact that really, and I actually, I, I have a little more like counter argument to that a little bit, but the fact that basically the whole story was contained in just Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps, and there were like a couple of one-shot issues that featured some characters that didn't get as much time to shine in the like, main event. Like Blue Beetle for some reason? Did Blue Beetle have his Blue own Beetle one-shot? Had, Blue Beetle had a one-shot, a Sinestro Corps war one-shot. Wow, interesting. Uh, cool, good for him. Um, and... But the fact that it was so it's so tight, like the overall story, especially in the beginning, um, as I'm re as I'm rereading it, um, but even even back when I was reading it for the first time, it does such a good job of laying the stakes um, and, and making things feel impactful. And I think you had made this comment while we when we were discussing it before while we were reading it, David, um, but it was like, you know, none of the main characters have died yet, but. And so there's just a lot of known or little named or no named characters that are getting off. And yet even with their deaths, like you feel the weight, like the, the, the weight of the story is greater than any individual character that may or may not be important dying. And like you said, it tied into Sinestro's philosophy of like, he basically created this, this, this army just to push the Greenlanders into a corner. They couldn't get out of without doing the thing that he ultimately wanted like he was playing 40 chess when they were playing checkers and like from from the standpoint of of I mean the villain's motivations maybe aren't that unique in the grand scheme of villain motivations but the execution I thought was was really really smart and fun to see unfold cuz there was this feeling of uh, so and also at the time I'll add in there that DC especially under Jeff Johns like I don't know how much of if it was like intentional in the sense that 
um like he was making a commentary or if he just like thought this will make superheroes cool but like things had gotten progressively violent like even before green lantern like infinite crisis i vaguely remember superboy prime and that event ripping some guy's arm off and like beating him with it or i could be misremembering slightly so <laughs> but like there was this feeling that like okay here's these really hokey concepts like green lantern and superman and so on and stuff and like let's make them violent and dark and that aka that equals mature Sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. In the context of Sinestro Core War, I think it was really smart because you have this relatively hokey concept and now it's being faced with these re this really, really brutal reality. And it's sort of like, you know, we have this sort of um, naive outlook that like, that just like peace and communication and and and, and chivalry or whatever like that, that that these are concepts that like will win the day mm -hmm. but when you're trying to be kind and fair and the the opposing force is basically just murdering everything in sight because it can it's how do you really deal with that and there's a i'm sure there's a lot of criticisms towards activating lethal force and not finding another way but like you see these characters that sort of grew up in this golden age mentality of like superhero or I guess not the golden age they love killing back then silver <laughs> age mentality uh, of superheroes not killing and being confronted with these times where they ultimately do have to kill and watching these characters wrestle with it was really really powerful yeah i think I, i'm with you a hundred percent i think that there are times where comics get violent just for violence sake and it it gets bloody and gory and it's not, you know, it, it just feels like, okay, you're, you're doing that just because you can, which is never the best reason to do it. This, it, it is a war. It is a literal war. And yeah, people would die and it's, it's very bloody and at times gory, but I'm with you. I think that it does work for the story. And I think also what helps the story work, this is something that I, I uh, was complaining about to you, Nick, at some point, which is, um, I think that people tend to look down on Superman as a character because there's a lot of Superman stories where it is like, okay, Superman just needs to punch harder. Superman just needs to to fly there fast and punch someone hard. And like that, that's not interesting. When you're just doing like a, a strength test against Superman, he's always gonna find a way to win. You know, that's from a story perspective, not very interesting. What is interesting is when you start challenging kind of their their moral foundation or what they stand for. You know, like there's a really interesting time where Superman had to struggle with Lex Luthor running for president and he wasn't doing it like illegally or like, you know, manipulating things. Like he was straight up running for president and for Superman, that's like, that's my number one villain. How do I handle that? When I like, when I'm looking to like protect and uphold, you know, especially maybe kind of American values. Um, I think like that was, it was a concept that happened. I, I think maybe in the eighties or nineties. Um, and for this, with that, with, with what Sinestro is challenging, it is challenging, uh, the ideals of the green lantern core. And I think that's what kind of makes his character and especially his character at this time. So very interesting, um, that, you know, he, he is, he is challenging, what the Green Lanterns stand for. And even when when Lethal Force is authorized, you have some of the Green Lanterns who are like, ah, this is so great. And you have some of them who are like, what does this mean? Like, what does this escalation mean? And it eventually would mean, you know, uh, let's, I, I, I don't know how much time you want to talk about like what came after this, but what this laid the groundwork for, you know, you talked about the spectrum of of emotions and that helped expand green lantern. It expanded the character of, of Carol Ferris by bringing in the, um, 
uh, what are they called? The uh, the sapphires, the star, star sapphires. sapphires, star sapphires. Yeah, you had the the Sinestra core. You would have eventually like the the Blue Lanterns, etc. Like it brought these other things. It also brought these changes specifically to the Green Lanterns because they lay the foundation for the ten new laws. Um, now, not all of the laws I think were ever revealed. I don't know if they're still like lying in wait. But the second one after this was Green Lanterns can use lethal force against any enemy of the core. So it's not just the the Sinestros. It is like uh, it is any enemy that they seem fit, which is like dark. But that but that also is a really interesting take because you're going to have these characters who are like we shouldn't be using lethal force. We're here to keep peace. And there's going to be other people who are going to be like, well, the only way we can keep peace is like, you know, why doesn't Joker, why doesn't Joker kill Batman? Why doesn't Batman kill the Joker? Uh, Joker doesn't kill Batman because of the killing joke. Go read a great Alan Moore story. I, I don't know how much that concept was really dug into and really debated amongst the characters, but I really like it as an idea. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. So, and yeah, I agree because it sort of takes it really, I think so. there's a lot of times a book is like, I'm Hal Jordan. I was considered the greatest of the green lanterns. And it sometimes I, I think it really was sometimes asking the reader to sort of um, decide it for themselves because I felt while reading it, okay, here's this really hokey statement of like, I was the greatest green lantern. I'm like, that's a really dumb concept <laughs> uh, for, especially for something that's existed for millions of years. And you've been around within comic book universe time, maybe like 12. I also, this book, and this is, this is a complaint I have with sci-fi is whenever you have an, like alien races are always like, Oh, you're an earth man. Oh, earth men always doing dumb earth men things, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, you guys and your emotions. And yet like, okay, we're showing so many species that act like earth men do like that act like humans do. It's it's always just so frustrating to me in the, when sci-fi like looks down like oh you're being a real Earth man it's like is your is your society without emotions is your society without war like what are you trying to say that like like in this you know someone like finds a friend and they like get really sentimental because they thought that friend was dead and he's like I'm sorry I'm being a real Earth man it's like, what what does that even mean. <laughs> And it, it's always f fascinating in sci-fi. And I, I'm sure it's just a, just the fact that we are human. So we want to think that we're special. So a lot of times you see that like earth is always the center of conflict and Sinestro Core War and, and DC comics and the, the Greenland comics in general are no different because the climax actually ends up, the idea was that the Sinestro Core War were going to converge on Oa at the center of the universe when in fact they were going to earth, which is, considered the center of the multiverse yes yes um, there is an earth on every at this time dc was still doing the 52 earths there were 52 universes and uh if you destroyed earth prime which is the the earth within the dc comics universe then that would i guess destroy like all of us getting effect yeah and, and to be fair this con i thought this was a kind of actually given the cliche of the whole earth is the special one concept this does tie back into the 1985 86 event crisis on infinite earths which was also about you know exploding earths uh <laughs> that's the sums up the whole 12 issue book yeah. um but but yeah, I think that worked to make the, the idea that Earth was this this necessary battleground. I did think that some things were funny, like Earth is like the most diverse and emotional, has the greatest diverse culture and emotional ranges of all planets in the gal in the universe. And I'm like, wow, that 
that's apparently a super low bar. <laughs> yeah. um, especially because obviously as a writer, maybe you just don't spend time trying to create uh, an alien culture that is as diverse as, you know, humanity. But the, um, the, like Kryptonians didn't have, a, the, the, the Daxamites don't have emotions. They do. It's just uh, xenophobia. Like okay, a lot cool. of species just sort of have like that one thing that really kind of tied right. them all together. Yeah, we live on a planet that's just as big or bigger than Earth, but uh, we're all pretty much the same. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh, sure. Right, right, right. And they all, you know, I don't think this was actually in the book, but the equivalent of like, and I live in Daxum City, you know, like here's the planet and then the city, the capital right, of right. the planet is the planet's name plus city or whatever. Right. Welcome to is, Earth Town. Uh, <laughs> Earth, right? Right, it was Earthtropolis. Earth um, that would be a DC city, though. <laughs> right, yeah, Coast City, Central City. Uh, I digress. Um, but still, this. So I think if you enjoy comic books, if you enjoy things uh, like, say, I don't know, Game of Thrones or um, any any other. Apparently, Game of Thrones is the only one I could think of. But like any any storytelling that really has like a a broad, all encompassing mythology that has all these different layers that you can dig into. Sinestro Corps War did a, a Angry Lantern and Jeff Johns and, and everyone else that worked on the book really did a good job of starting. You know, because they kind of took green lantern back to zero like okay how jordan's not a ghost anymore he's back in he's installed as a green lantern the, the core is building itself back up they're doing their green lantern things um and then you don't get very far from status quo before it all gets blown up mm-hmm. and i think this is a book that does a really good job overall of like revealing layers after layers after layers yeah. uh, with a slight addendum and this criticism i'm about to give is more about event comics in general and it, I, so something that Sinestro Core does is that by the end, you know, the, they, they spend some time sort of revealing like the whole emotional spectrum and just like, here's all this stuff that's going on. All these, you know, there's the indigo lanterns coming up and the rage and the, and it's sort of, and this is at a time where like, I think if, correct me if I'm wrong, if you can remember, I think it was the, the, uh, Gonthet and Sade, two of the guardians that were now during the course of the event, X, communicated from the rest of the guardians because they showed emotions and guardians don't show emotions and yada 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 uh, and they basically stopped the four earth lanterns and basically like oh here's this long detail while other parts of the issue and, and other issues in the events are saying like hey everyone's going to like new york right now <laughs> to blow stuff up uh and that's where anti-modern is showing up and like they're sort of like wait 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 but we gotta tell you this stuff now uh which maybe well, it was helpful in the context but from a storytelling perspective it felt like when you got to the climax of the story, this is what I know is make, let me know if you felt similar, but like, I love the buildup in this event. And then, but when I got towards or just past the halfway point and especially into like the attack on earth, it just felt like everything started rushing to the end. And I think part of that was that they did splinter off into some of these one shot issues that we didn't cover reviewing this for the show. Um, where certain characters that had a, a, a really intriguing buildup in the beginning, suddenly their, their, their climax sort of is handled relatively, relatively quickly for some of them. Mm-hmm. Like Cyborg Superman, uh, I think, had his own one shot. And like his, his story arc is really interesting in the course of the event, but it never gets deeply explored in the book proper. Yeah, um, I, think, I think they set up enough with him where it's like he wants to die. Where I actually like, I felt really bad for him in the the 
the when it ended and they were kind of resolving where everyone was that it gets revived. I was like, oh, that right. poor guy almost made it. He I, just wants to commit genocide so that he can also die. Yeah. Oh, his his methods are terrible. Um, that you know, he's like, I'm gonna team up with the bad guys because they'll kill me after I help them do whatever. Where it's like, you, there's other ways. To, I guess I guess he probably attempted suicide several times and it never seemed to stick. But with what you were saying, yes, with with uh, with Ganthet and and Sade coming in, that was like, it could have been like, hey, use these lanterns to capture Parallax. Uh, find us when this is over. We have some really important stuff to tell you right now. Go handle this. Like you're you're right. That was kind of an odd time. And I I agree that things began to wrap up very nicely. I think this is kind of a, a little I don't know if it's an, a problem that's emblematic of comics. Um, it might be a little bit, uh, but it definitely is also a Jeff like Jeff Johns really likes happy endings for better or for worse. Uh, like they introduce early on in this book that there is a living fear virus that. Uh, yeah. killed Kyle Rayner's mother, and that's what makes him susceptible to parallax as learning that information. But then at the end of this book, because Guy Gardner gets uh, infected with the living fear virus, they're like, don't worry, we have a living green lantern virus that's going to fight it. It's like, well, that's... Yay, good virus. Yeah, that's awfully uh, convenient. I, I guess good for you. Uh, stuff did just get suddenly like wrapped up very, very, very quickly. Uh, and then to the uh, kind of to ridiculous degrees, uh, cause there is also the ending when they show like coast city throughout the book, they keep mentioning like coast city is not having the return of population. They expected very few people live there since it got destroyed and then rebuilt. Uh, but then because, By goats. but yes, uh, because nobody left coast city during this fight, which where would they have gone? Uh, but because nobody left Coast City, people move there. Right. It's <laughs> the city. I did that. It's 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 really sweet and sentimental, and works within the narrative that, that the book was trying to tell. But it's also I, I, the idea that no one left uh, the city to show solidarity while yellow uh, uniform wearing aliens were raining horror down on on the city. Uh, it strikes me as inauthentic. Mm -hmm. No, it really, it really does. Um, but I guess that's kind of where you just kind of, it, I didn't like piss me off so much that I threw the book away and was like, I'm ah, that was such a waste of time. It was just kind of like, yeah, that's comics. And I guess yeah. to, you know, this was being written as a, as a contained story. And I think there is a little bit of, you should kind of have that attitude, I guess, in this where it's like, don't assume that, Someone like for me, I didn't read the the Green Lantern Rebirth. I had a little bit of familiarity with the characters. I think if you heard us describing who the characters are uh, to you in this episode, you could go read Green Lantern, or you could go read uh, the Sinestro Corps War and have everything you need to. Uh, aside from all the spoilers we've given, like just the background we've given is really all you need. You need to know who Hal Jordan is, who Sinestro is. Pretty much, I would say you're good. Who the Green Lanterns are. Uh, but I, I, you can't assume that, okay, now someone's going to go read the next six volumes of, especially with superhero comics. So it kind of has to be a little bit contained in this, right? Like Sixth Gun isn't going to assume you're going to pick up Sixth Gun number seven, volume seven, and just read that one. And you have to like get, get at what's going on. But superhero comics are a little bit different. And sometimes you'll have like a buildup 
for like this person is writing a story like Jonathan Hickman's uh, Fantastic Four run. You know, that all ties together. Um, but still, there has to be an accessibility for someone who's just going to pick this up off the shelves for good or for ill. You know, we. Right. And, and there's, you know, there's maybe several volumes of Six Gun, whereas there's several decades worth yes. of Green Lantern comics. So it really is sort of where where do I possibly start with this? Yeah. Which is a difficult question to answer um, and not one we can really answer here. If you're looking to start with uh, a Green Lantern comic, well, okay, all right. Well, we're not going to get into what – we're going to get into like recommendations or not in a minute. I just want to give us a minute before we get there if there's any last things we want to talk about from this book. I know we've been talking about stuff very broadly. Um, so if there's anything in specific in the book – I do just want to mention uh, the Sodom Yat Superman slash Superboy prime fight is just choice superhero fighting. Just ch- real good. It's It slaps, right? Is that what kids are saying these days? Oh, oh boy. I, should, I shouldn't have said it like that. I should have just said it well, slaps and just pretended it was cool and let it slide, but I didn't. You know, that that fits really well with this podcast. Like, is that what kids are saying these days? I think that's, that's kind of where we're at. With if we're still we're... doing this in 20 years, we can do the It Slaps episode. It's like, is It Slaps still slapping? Oh, boy. Oh, God. Okay, oh. anyway, uh, Superboy Prime, Sodom Yacht Fight. Yeah, it's just really good. I just wanted to say, like... It's really good, yeah. Uh, it's... So props to... So this is actually interesting, because this is the... so. The, the event was primarily written by Jeff Johns and Dave Gibbons. And, and for those that maybe think that the name Dave Gibbons sounds familiar, Dave Gibbons is the artist for Watchmen yes. with Alan Moore. Um, so a pretty high pedigree, all things considered, right? Uh, and, and Dave Gibbons had helped Jeff Johns relaunch the Green Lantern when he did Green Lantern Core mm-hmm. Recharge and then took over the book up until the this, I think, the one of the last Green Lantern Core issues in this event where Peter Tomasi, who was a longtime DC editor, yes. took over. And he started with Sodom Yacht, a fellow Green Lantern, getting his butt whipped. Sodom, um, uh, Sodom Yacht, also uh, from that Alan Moore, Kevin O'Neill storyline, by the way. Yes, I had forgotten that, but but you're right. And the whole idea was Sodom Yacht, because he's actually a character that I hope would have gone more places. Following this event, spoilers, he does get touched on more as the books go on, but I would say thinking about right now, he's, I don't think he's very relevant to the comics right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole idea was that, so like we had said before, there was the fear entity parallax. Uh, and also they had established that Kyle Rayner prior to this event, he started calling, or he was given the title ion. Uh, and he was like some sort of super green lantern. Uh, he didn't even have to use a, a ring, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out that, and I don't think, again, I think when the concept of Ion was created, this wasn't in place for it. But like Parallax, they didn't establish that every emotion on the spectrum had its own corresponding, like, avatar. And so Parallax was the avatar of fear, and Ion was the avatar of willpower, and it was like a whale shark type thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when Kyle Rayner gets possessed the by Parallax. entities, moves- as they're called. What was that? The emotional entities. Emotional entities, which I would say were all emotional entities, right? Um, If not emotional manatees. Um, Get out. (laughs) I'm leaving. Um, So, and then um, it's revealed that Kyle Rayner can no longer be possessed by iron for XYZ plot reasons. And that Soda Yacht, because there's this whole prophecy. And sometimes books, when they get into the whole prophecy thing, I think the Green Lantern Corps and stuff, 
I think it was used overall very well, but I still kind of roll my eyes at time that like they have all this foresight apparently, and then don't utilize. I mean, they, in a sense they do, but sort of like, yeah, that's not going to come to pass. We don't have to worry about that too much, but wait, but the book says that Sodom Yacht is actually the future bearer of Ion. So like right before this Superboy prime fight, there is a whole chapter of their book. They are forbidden from reading. That's how much they suck. Like this book will tell us about an event that we could intervene in and possibly stop, but we are are agreed upon. The twelve of us here have agreed. Let's just not read that. Right. Uh, so, so spoiler alert: Sodomiak gets his butt kicked despite being super, super, super powerful by Superboy Prime, uh, who's also a really interesting character. But we don't need to waste time on right now. But yes, let's talk about the Guardians for a minute because we really didn't get to touch on them a whole lot. David, you certainly have a lot of strong feelings. Tell me why you hate them. I don't, I don't, well, I don't hate them. I guess I'm frustrated by them is how I would put it, is they spend so much time just being like, uh, like, oh, the lanterns sure are in trouble. Mm, yes. Should we, no. should we help the lanterns? No, let's stay here and talk about how we can't do anything. We can't be effectual because we've agreed not to be. Mm, yes. Oh, look, there's a war on Earth. That's pretty much what the lanterns do for this entire book. <laughs> it's the, yeah, the Guardians are this aloof ancient race. And you got to think if you're, if the universe is billions and billions of years old, uh, and you're billions and billions of years old, you must have a much broader perspective. Uh, and yet these are beings, these are immortal beings that are hanging out basically with mostly primarily mortal entities that certainly have died. Like they've probably seen, if there's been Green Lanterns for billions of years or whatever, they've seen innumerable, countless people die yeah. and in they, their life, which has got to screw you up somewhat. And they don't feel emotions just because they have agreed, again, like agreeing not to read this chapter of the book. We're just not going to feel Well, it's also funny because they talk about how there's this forbidden chapter of the book of Oa, but then they also know everything that's inside of it. Yeah, let's not. Okay, yeah, this is where we could spend a lot of time just talking about ridiculous <laughs> things. Like to be fair, I think that this is the event. I, this, I think, was I was trying to get to a point before and kind of lost it. Was that the you know the guard? I think when Greenlander was first thought up, it was this idea. Okay, these guardians are somehow these benevolent and sort of benign, objective um leaders of this intergalactic police force and like overall like greenlanders they hear you want to root for them you want to in all of that and this was a comic that started poking holes in all of that and saying that not all is right in paradise and i think the 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 guardians during this run were heavily deconstructed um in the sense that like the fact that they didn't show emotions was to their detriment and that's explored over the course of the series. So it's frustrating, but it's also compelling yes. to see unfold. Oh yes. I don't want to say that I'm, I'm mad at John's for writing them this way because I think that's just like how they were established and what he does with them is very interesting, but them still as an entity is very frustrating. Right. Uh, but I think now is the time where we have to answer the question of, does Sinestro Core War hold up, or is it, you know, just a color, another kind of forgettable comic event? I, you know, I think we kind of have our answer based on how we've been talking about it, but let's summarize all our thoughts. Nick, you brought it here. What do you think? I did, and I'm, I'm going to say yes. 
Uh, if you yes, enjoy reading what? comic books or if you are maybe pop culture, sci-fi minded, um, but maybe haven't thought about dipping your toes into comic books, um, I think Jeff John's Green Lantern run is a really great place. So I don't necessarily start with Sinestro Core War, though I feel like the fact that Hal Jordan has to remind you he's the um, assigned to Space Sector 2814 and blah, 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 every single issue, uh, it'll probably catch you up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but I would say start with Green Lantern Rebirth and and read at least through the end of Jeff John's run. And if if and if you're ambitious, also tackle the Green Lantern Core book at the at the same time by Dave Gibbons and Peter Tomasi and really, really amazing art by Ivan Reese and Patrick Gleason and other artists throughout the course of these of these runs. Um, but it, it's it's really ambitious. It's really smart at times. It's certainly silly and occasionally dumb, but I think the its cleverness and and the and the ambition i'm really good at repeating those words but like it, it it does a really good job of just building on itself constantly and you might maybe be a little fatigued by the end but i think that overall you'll enjoy the ride and it might even be better now than it was then and i say this as i think this is a really interesting point to bring up as a comic book fan but you know anytime an event came out they always had you know how are we going to make this different how are we going to get people to notice and so like this person kills that person or here's this thing like this really big wrinkle like the green lanterns kill or the superhero registration act and it splits up the you know everyone gets all the fans get angry and they're discussing it like these people are real and tony stark personally offended me and a lot of times I'll go back to some books that like I, I knew were a big deal when they came out and then I read them years later and like I actually enjoy them a lot more, even if it seemed like the public discourse at the time was largely negative. And I think that now it maybe is, is an even better time to experience this book because it's all there and ready for you to read. You can read it at your own leisure. You don't necessarily need to anticipate the next thing uh, and build up a lot of preconceived notions in your head. And I, I think you'll just enjoy it. So in short, yes, I do recommend checking out these books. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it is very rare for a, a recent comic, and this book is, you know, 13 uh, years old now at this point. Oh, um, but for anything this recent to be so foundational to the character that uh, that it's for is, I, I think, is really impressive. Um, you know, Bruce Wayne died and went through a crazy event and became a, a living living actual time bomb where when he returned to present day was going to destroy the universe or something uh in in terms of modern day batman stories means nothing <laughs> you you don't have to know or care about any of that to read modern day batman stories i think for modern day green lantern like this is something that really really changed the way that character worked it expanded it in really interesting ways, and it's still like as a read today is very good. I very much enjoyed this. I had been meaning to read it forever. I'm glad you brought it here for me to actually like make myself sit down and read all eleven issues. Um, I had a, enough history with the characters to be able to approach it very easily, um, but I think that Jeff Johns' whole run, starting with Rebirth, was designed at being a, start, a starting point for people. So you could probably start there, start with the book before it. Um, you, I know it's all on DC Universe. That's where um, I found Sinestro Core War. Uh, obviously, you can buy at Comixology or support your local comic book shop if you are able to. So I think from both of us here, it is a maybe more so than some of the other stuff that we're like, yeah, that was fun. Enjoy it if you want to. 
If you like comics, if you're interested in Green Lantern, this is a this is a must. This is a, a, a would recommend if you enjoy superhero comics or you're interested in them. But as always, we want to know what you think, listener. Please do let us know. You can find all the ways to contact us. You can find all the ways to contact us at hitmeonemoretime.com, Twitter, Facebook, email. Just let us know what you think. We would really appreciate it. On our way out here, we want to find out. We want to know where you can find us, though. Uh, obviously, you can find us here on the show. But we, want to, we want to know where you can know. find us. Please let us know where we, we are. Yeah, right where, where are we? Please. But you might, <laughs> listeners, dang it, you <laughs> listeners might want to know where to find us. So in event of that, Nick, where can people find you? Uh, like always, you can, if you're interested in chit-chatting about this stuff, you can find me at, at Nick Shermooksness, S-E-R-M-U-K-S-N-I-S, uh, on Twitter. Uh, I don't use it very often. I might start posting more, but like I said, if you are if you want to talk, uh, I'm happy to, to listen. Yeah, if you just at Nick and say, Sinestro did nothing wrong, uh, you'll <laughs> that'll spark a whole conversation. You'll have his hashtag attention. Sinestro is right. So, well, uh, hashtag Thanos did nothing wrong. Um, just kidding. He's a genocidal maniac. Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Davluz. That's D-A-V-L-U-Z. Find out what I'm doing there and info about my other show, uh, Movie Go Round, which is a movie podcast that I am part of. Nick, thank you for being here and for picking this week's topic. Thanks, David. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And thank you, audience out there for listening. Remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time on Hit Me One More Time. Meanwhile, Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner, and John Stewart fight to free Guy. I put Guy Gardner in here twice. Uh, <laughs> let me just make a quick edit and re. And also, yeah, <laughs> Guy Gardner fights the free Guy Gardner. <laughs>